You're listening to Super Yacht Radio. Hello, you are listening to superyachtradio.com. Here is Armin Müller, the White Love Sommelier. And today we have another exciting and challenging and learning show for the wine business. And today we will cover a very interesting winery from the German wine region again. And yeah, stay tuned. So it's a pleasure to meet Mrs. Teresa Breuer from the winery Georg Breuer today. And it's a winery which has been awarded also from Falstaff in 2016. It's a winery which belongs to the 10 best wineries in Germany. And you will have so much fun during this two hours. Actually, I was supposed to visit this winery in June this year, but due to the COVID lockdown, this was not possible. And actually, this year was for me one of the most awkward years in my traveling history with my guests, because all of the trips which were planned had to be cancelled. This was a pity, but nevertheless, we will bring the winery to your super yachts. We will bring the content. And so even if you cannot travel at that moment, we can help you to understand. And whenever we can travel again, it is also a pleasure for me to bring you to this amazing winery. So I'm here together with Teresa. It's a pleasure to having you here. And yeah, I give the word to you that you can introduce yourself. Wow. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. That's um, an, an honor for me, um, especially after the big words that you already spread about our winery. Um, yeah. Well, we're, um, I would say, a very, very classic German winery in the heart of the Rheingau region. We are located in Rüdesheim, which is, um, yeah, more or less in the middle west of, uh, of Germany, about 50 kilometers west of Frankfurt. And um, we're yeah, a tiny, in a tiny village next to the Rhine River. And uh, there we yeah, work with our love to Riesling. We have 80% um, of our vineyards planted with Riesling and that's what our heartbeat is about. And we will cover this during this uh, show, of course, more in detail. But the good thing is, if somebody has a super yacht, he really could go down the Rhine River and visit you personally because the harbor is about 300 meters from your winery, if I remember well. Yeah, well, Rüdesheim is a small village, so everything is very close and the harbor as well. Um, but yes, of course, it's um, it's a quite, I think, exciting river to travel along and uh, we're part of it. That's so cool. And Before we are going deeper into the topic of the region of the winery, so I would like to hear from you, if you hear the word wine, what comes into your mind? What do you combine in your brain with wine? What does it mean for you? So tell us a bit about what is your feeling, what is your thinking about the word wine? 
Well, wine connects. Um, it brings together people and it's about sharing great moments together. Of course, it's also about the taste of it and the joy that it brings. Um, but for me, culture is kind of, wine is a cultural gift um, and tradition that we uh, we take care of. And yeah, it's it's always a good about good moments. I never drink wine when I'm sad. It's always about being in a good mood, having the right people around and sharing something. That sounds so fabulous and you are absolutely right. And by the way, do you know how old our European wine culture is? Ooh, ooh. Uh, I don't have like a precise uh, a precise year in mind, um, but of course the Romans um, played a big role in that. So uh, yeah, well, even longer, longer than that. Uh, <laughs> no, so uh, I, do, I know it from my region. I know it from Rüdesheim that we have the first um, documents about uh, vines planted around 600. Um, but I guess we were not the first ones in Europe. <laughs> no, actually not. The first, <laughs> the first ones were in Georgia and um, the culture of wine started from now on 8,000 years ago. So 6,000 years before Christ. Uh, and it's amazing. I have been several times with my clients to Georgia and there in the museum, you can really um, follow the way how it was with the amphoras and it's, it's amazing. So 8,000 years of wine culture and yeah, you are right. The Romans brought it to Germany and um, we have made such an exciting beverage out of it. And this is the only beverage in the world which is so versatile, which is so different, and all winemakers can bring their philosophy into it. And you write on your website, we drink every wine that bears our name with pleasure. It corresponds with our own quality standards. We can identify ourselves with every product. All of our wines are powerful and elegant. This goes well with the food, gives the wines a long life and corresponds to our quality standard. So please explain what you mean with this because it's so bombastic words, but bring it a little bit into the form that, um, yeah, we can really grab it. Well, it's actually a very simple idea behind our winemaking. We are extremely, and we know we're extremely privileged by being where we are in a region with an outstanding terroir for the grape Riesling. And um, it is extremely simple. We try to connect it. We try to make pure wines, pure Rieslings and some Pinots as well that um, tell where they are from. They, they should not like show off anything they, they should not be made they should just be original for for where they are in in a pure way in a straight way in actually um a quite simple way and uh, we try we try to do that in the best possible way year by year which doesn't mean that we try to do a same wine year by year we don't want to copy ourselves we try to want we try to interpretate the the conditions of a year um, in the best possible way for our grape in our region. I love your words because I hate wines which 
um, have the same flavors every year, every season, every moment. I love the wines, which has their own heart, their own soul, their own character, and they are different from year to year. And I think this is what is so exciting. If you make a vertical over the years, as you say, wow, here you feel uh, this wine had got so much sun. This wine was in a very bad weather condition. So I think wine is like a human being and uh, it expresses his heart to you every year. And uh, so I love your words because this expresses exactly what people want. They do not, or I cannot say generally, but um, at least um, most people do not want to have a wine which is like an industrial product, which is exactly the same. They want to have something which is evolving, which gives, um, yeah, when you open the bottle, that it has first, maybe it's very closed, then it opens and then uh, it brings all the shine into your mouth. And then after a while, uh, if you do not drink it, then after several days, it goes down. So it is a little bit like the cycle of our human beings also. And now it is time for us to speak a bit about the wine region Rheingau. Please introduce us what kind of climate do you have? What kind of terroir do you have? What kind of grapes do you cultivate? So are you cultivating only the autochthonous grapes or also some international grapes. So give us a bit insight into your world of Rheingau. Yeah. I give the word to you. Thank you. Well, we're in a, in a small region. Rangau is one of the smaller regions in Germany. Um, it covers about 3,300 hectares, which is compared to the like big players in the world, really nothing. And, um, Still, we have a very like diverse terroir in our tiny region. And what is um, special about the Rhein-Gau, the word actually already tells it. It's about the river Rhine and Gau is an old German word that uh, describes a valley structure. So it is, um, we're, we're part of the Rhine Valley and we're spread on about like 35 hectares along the river on the right side of the Rhine River. But um, where we are located, the river is not going straight or it's not running straight from south to the north. It's actually taking two curves. And these curves bring the effect that we are south facing. So the river in front of us um, runs from east to west. And we're privileged with the vineyards facing the sun more or less all day long. This is for being quite north in the world of wine, um, really a privilege and allows grapes to ripen in a, in a very intense way. But still, we are not in yeah southern country. Um, we have cool climate temperature, we have cold nights, and these conditions are actually great for both of the grapes, Riesling and the whole Pinot family, um, to, to bring very, very high quality in, in general years. So these two grapes are um, what yeah, our region is about. And also they love the soil combination that we have. We have um, a lot of slate, a lot of schist soil um, in, our, in our valley due to the 
Schiefergebirge that is along the Rhine Valley and the further north part. Um, but we also have quartzite because of the Taunus Mountains in our back. So we have kind of like a black and white um, rock mixture in our soils. Um, and depending where you are, sometimes slate dominates, sometimes quartzite dominates. And um, that's, um, yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like a puzzle in our vignettes. And yeah, it's, it's a challenge, of course, because a river in front of your vineyards always brings also moisture um, and humidity. Um, so rottenness is something that we are challenged by. But generally, um, we're in a privileged area where, um, well, Riesling is home. It's actually the, the region in the world that has the highest share of, of Riesling. And uh, yeah, we have, to, we have to spread that around the world. Said. Is absolutely right. So 3,300 hectares in the region. So you cover 1% of that, which is, <laughs> I would say, right. Uh, it does not sound so much, but 35 hectares is a lot of work. And I assume that uh, because you have the steep terraces, so that most of your work is by hand and not by the machines, is that... Uh, is yes. that assumption right? So, and uh, that means you have something where it is really labor intensive. And uh, so it can be done only if you have a passion for it. But for you, I think one of the um, benefits is Riesling is a grape which exactly wants to have this uh moisture this cool climate they are blooming quite late they are harvest is quite late so i think the same wine in spain would not bring the results and we will talk about the results later so but uh, now i give the word to you introduce us a bit what are the characteristics of your main grapes you said it's riesling and pinot noir right yes correct yeah. Um, yeah, well, Riesling is a grape that um, some people are a little bit afraid of because it's so hard to, to get. There is not a particular taste of the Riesling because Riesling can really be brilliant in many different ways. It can bring fantastic sweet wines, um, but we're actually focusing on the dry character of Riesling because we have the feeling that uh, the dry style of Riesling shows the the home and the character of the, the the soil where it's grown off in our region in the best possible way and yes riesling is about acidity that's also something that people are a little bit um, afraid of but the last years are actually showing that um Acidity is one part, but acidity can be in a beautiful balance next to fantastic flavors that it's not hard or green or aggressive. It's just something that carries at the taste of the wine in a very intense and long way and actually allows the wine to age over years in a beautiful way. So we, we love that. And Riesling is a grape that is able to show where it's home. It's not a very flavor intense grape on its own. It's not like a Sauvignon Blanc, for example, where you have a very distinguished flavor profile. Um, it is, um, it's more of the, the grape that you have to discover for yourself a little bit. And it's, um, it's exciting. You should never decide to not like Riesling because there are so many different um, styles, drinking stages and a young version and an old version. So um, 
Yeah, there's a lot to taste. <laughs> <laughs> and I have a story for this. So I was grown up in Braunschweig, which is in the northern part of Germany. And actually, this is not a wine region, it's a beer region. But luckily, my parents and my grandparents were wine lovers. And so I started my, let's say, experience about wine with um, the Riesling Spätlese and Auslese and Beerenauslese. So the sweeter parts of that. And for me at that age, because we were in the, in the teenager age, when we had the first experiences about it, was absolutely super because it gives you a smoother entrance into the world of wine. But then I developed my palate, I developed my taste, and then step by step I went to the drier versions of the wine. But uh, to come into it, it was perfect. So... <laughs> Yeah, Riesling can uh, can be with you all your life, from the first sip to the very last. <laughs> and I'm a very great fan of Riesling. So, <laughs> yeah. And uh, you have, of course, most of your 35 hectares are uh, Riesling. I have made the research, I think something like 26 hectares or so is, is Riesling. Yeah, and yeah. Probably. <laughs> yeah, so, and um, the other ones are Pinot Noir. And what else are you cultivating? Well, Pinot Noir is for us important as well, but then we also work a tiny bit with the other two white Pinot grapes. So we have a little bit of Pinot Gris and a touch of Pinot Blanc, but we mainly use those varieties to, to make a sparkling wine out of them. Um, and then we have two, well, let's call it exotic or, um, yeah, quite special grapes um, on tiny vineyards planted. And that is once Orléans, which is a grape that was home in our region about 350, 400 years ago, mostly used for mixed plantings. Um, I, could, I could not hear the word. Can you repeat it? Orléans. Orléans. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's one of the crazy grapes. Um, and my father planted it in the late 90s to um, just understand a little bit of the history of our region because it was a grape that had its place 350, 400 years ago. But today, nobody really knows how it tastes. And uh, he always was very interested in understanding what the past, um, what the past brought. And then we have a second crazy grape, and that's called Heunisch. And Heunisch is one of the, the parents of both of the important grapes, Riesling and Pinot. So uh, same here. Riesling is a crossing of Tramina and Heunisch. And Tramina is a grape that you're kind of like, you can get familiar with. You can, you can like find it in the world, but Heunisch, you don't really see anywhere. So here it was also the, the big question mark of um, the taste of Heunisch. And if you don't really have a chance to, to get the bottles of those wines, you have to plant the vines themselves. So we have two kind of like museum vineyards to tell and yeah, teach us a little bit about the history. But then we have mainly Riesling and, of course, Pinot grapes. That sounds great. And I've never tasted Heunisch and I've never tasted Orléans. So when we are coming next time uh, to visit your winery, uh, we have to open. <laughs> okay, I understood the challenge. <laughs> Good. So thank you so much for introducing us to the 
climate terror and grapes. Actually, the weather today is already quite chilly. The sun is not coming out, but we are coming from inside and the more wine you drink, the more you will shine. So today we are here with Teresa, Teresa Breuer, and she is, hmm, which generation in the meantime, the fourth, the fifth? I'm the fourth generation of our fourth family. Fourth generation of the winery Georg Breuer. And Teresa, please tell us a bit about your philosophy. What kind of philosophy do you want to bring into your wines? Well, it's a very simple thing. Um, we love Riesling in the purest possible way. And um, I am very, very privileged to uh, to work on vineyards that my, my grandfather and my father kind of like collected through their times. Um, and they are all expressing a very unique terroir. Um, it's a lot of steep slopes that we're working at. And the steeper the vineyards are, the purer the wines are getting because um, the vines are then just like bringing the, yeah, the, the most rockiest taste into, into the bottle. We work organic just because it's a logical thing. If you want to take care of your vineyards, it's also about taking care of nature in general. So we, um, we're, we're very simple actually in our vineyard um, work processes. And uh, then we, we try also to follow that philosophy um, in our cellar by not really influencing too much. Once we have picked the best possible grapes um, in the perfect condition we're very of course we hand pick everything we select like we do a selection with every grape we always like pick out what is not in that like ideal condition and when you're doing such an intense work in the vineyards um you can really be kind of lazy in the cellar and just follow the natural process of fermentation which happens um in our grand cruise um for our grand cruise in in big old barrels in a very traditional style um, and for the bit like lighter fresher wines um, we use stainless steel so it's not really about doing any like fancy winemaking techniques in our cellar and ideally it's all about giving the wines the time that they need to ferment to settle to develop a little bit and uh, yeah that's that's what it is no no big secrets so if I summarize that so first of all your philosophy is The wine is made in the vineyard and not in the cellar. Yes. The second one is uh, be friendly to the nature. Do a wine which is organic. So do not use the chemicals to bring really the character of the wine into the bottle. And the third one is, and that is still a question for me, um, bring a wine as natural as it can be in the bottle. So my question is, are you using then natural lease or cultural lease? That depends on the vintage. Um, one big, big, big goal um, in our winemaking process is not to follow um, in the cellar a strict recipe because every year the conditions in the vineyards are tiny bit different. So why should we do the exactly same than in the cellar if not, well, because nature is not doing the same in the vineyards every year. So we try to, um, to react on what is needed. For example, um, 
if we have a very um, if we have a very warm picking season and the grapes are coming in in quite warm temperature, it's quite risky to work with the natural yeasts because they, depending on the temperature of the juice, different yeast cultures are starting the fermentation. And we don't want to have um, like the wrong yeasts doing the fermentation. So in that case, we would actually use a neutral yeast that we add to the wine. But if we have a year where the grapes are coming in in a, in a cold temperature and perfect condition, we're happy to take our hands off and do as little as possible. So our, our big goal is to keep the eyes and the mind open and do the best possible wine for each year. And um, if you look over the years, um, are you differentiation rating than only the year or are you also differentiating the uh, special vineyard and uh, telling our, your winemaker, oh, this one we should do with natural lease, this one we should do with cultural lease. So are you making uh, just a differentiation by year or also by vineyard, by wine? Well, only by year. We, we do whatever is needed. We don't want to like build a style of a particular site in our cellar. Um, that is not, that's not our goal. We try to, to take the best decision because of a moment, of that moment that we bring in the grapes. And it doesn't really matter which vineyard it comes from. And uh, we, we just try to, to do, yeah, a decision, a, a good decision, but it's not that we decide on a general style for a particular vine. Good. And to make it a little bit uh, more understandable for our listeners, for instance, yes, for <laughs> uh, yeah, for for this year, the harvest is done, the wine is in the cellar at the moment. How did you decide it this year, and because of what reason? Well, it's very often that we are, it's unfortunately winemaking, it seems always so romantic and simple, but um, behind every question, there are probably at least 10 answers. So um, this year um, we started in a, in um, well, like a medium early stage, I would say, um, because it was a warm summer again. Um, so the beginning of the harvest was still in very, very hot temperature conditions. So we only picked half days because it got too hot during the afternoons. So we actually, um, the, to that particular question, we, we started um, with, um, with an addition of yeast at the beginning because it was warm juice. But then there was a certain moment reached where the temperature was changing and summer turned into autumn. And then we could follow the like hands-off process. So it, um, it varies um, between, yeah, between the harvesting period and um, the, the quality of the grapes was outstanding this year. It was extremely good quality. It was no rottenness at all. So we had really beautiful fruit that we generally could be very lazy with in the cellar then. That sounds good and makes it really understandable. Yeah, your winery is one of the best in Germany. What you can read in the internet is that Uh, Georg Breuer belongs to one of the top 10 wineries in Germany. And yeah, this is also opportunity for you to make some advertisement for yourself. So, um, and uh, I think that's, that's also um, allowed because you're, you have outstanding good wines, which are really, really great. And uh, yeah, can you tell us a bit how was the process to come into the top 10 
of Germany. Well, it's um, it feels still like when when you when you say that um, it, it's like really are we one of them? <laughs> it feels um, it feels not really real because it's not that we have like changed big things in the last um, like I am in the winery 16 years now in the last 16 years um, we just like more or less followed our feeling for for wines um, I think there is also a little bit of um, a, a change happening in um, in the general um, taste and idea of um, of rating wines it's much more in the last years about a very pure style of wines, while 20 years ago, it was a bit more about a very opulent style of wines. We actually haven't changed our style. 20 years ago, our wines were maybe a little bit too tight for the judges, but today we're, we're hitting um, with our style of wines what, um, what they like. And this is actually, it's very nice. Um, I'm very happy for that, that we are part um, of that. Um, but we haven't changed ourselves. It's the time that changed. I, I love that. You praise yourself by not praising yourself. So. <laughs> <laughs> but to be in the best of Germany, you have to do something great. And please tell us, so what, what is it? Is it your philosophy? Is it production? Is it uh, uh, the, the, the love of the earth? Or yeah. what, what is it? What, what makes uh, you? Because we have so many wineries in Germany and they are good, but they are not outstanding good. And so you have to do something better than the others. So uh, let's praise you a bit more. Um, Falstaff made you to the winemaker of the year 2016. So uh, to be awarded like that, is it your personality? Is it so you have to give something into the market, otherwise they wouldn't choose, choose you. So Yeah, I think it's, um, well, you mentioned it already. I think it's really the the love to what we're doing. And the we is a very big, a big part. We are, um, we're a great team. And we are, I'm the only one of the family working in the winery, but it feels like we are really um, very, very strong connected. And I have a fantastic team of um, people around me that work with us for, for many, many years um, in all different ages from like different countries. Um, and many of them came to work with us only for a short period, just for an internship or just to get an idea. But um, they fall in love as well and they stayed. And I think this builds um, a team that shares an idea and a vision of something and that's it. That's really it. That's, um, yeah, the belief in doing something right is um, a strong part. I love this answer. And I think this is one, most probably one of your secrets. Even if you're in the, let's say, bicycle sports. So yeah. if you want to win the race, you have to have a team. You have uh, the other people to bring you the water. You have to have the other people who take care that your bicycle is really in the best condition. And uh, it is all hand in hand. And uh, I think you have made good words. Uh, I And um, to praise your team is important. And to be part of a team, even if you're the team leader, but 
to be thankful for what your team is doing for you. And I think this is a good word. And I'm here with Teresa, who is a winemaker in the fourth generation. And are you also the winemaker or do you have your winemaker? So that is also an important question. <laughs> or are you just controlling the process? So, and um, maybe you can answer this question and then yeah. I have another yeah. cool question for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we are we are a team, and uh, I am I am not the one in like the daily seller part. I have a fantastic winemaker, and I have a fantastic vineyard manager, and I am kind of like the connecting link in between them. I have the luxury position of being part when it comes to the decision making process. Um, but uh, yeah, beside that, there's a little bit of uh, general organization in between. Every everything so i have uh, great hands around me that sounds good and i have been many times in a jury for um, wine um, judging the wine and i have also once been in a um, uh, process i was invited by a winery to um, to make the next cuvee for the for the next year and that was such an amazing process i loved it and are you doing it also with some external people or are you doing it just for for your wine cellar internally well it's um external people are welcome it's not that we're doing a big happening out of it but when we have um, when we have guests and it happens that uh, they are visiting us the day that we're doing some blend decisions of course uh, we are always um we're always looking um to to share um experience But um, at the end, it's um, a decision that the three of us, my winemaker, my vineyard manager and I are taking. And it's really, it has been no bland decision where one of us was not present. So it is really about us three, which is pretty good because you always will come to a decision because it will always be, um, yeah, it will always be able to, to take a decision. But we always try to also create decisions which everybody really feels good with. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a learned routine between us three. But of course, if somebody is excited and uh, interested in, in like getting to know what we're doing there, again, there's no secret in winemaking. So um, everybody is welcome, of course. And uh, so maybe our wine talk gives you also a good idea now for the future to make a little bit more happening out of it. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, and... Um, My um, experience was that because it was really hard discussion, not hard, uh, let's say hard discussion, but it was a friendly hard discussion. So, and the um, final product which we had and the product which they had created first be, be, uh, without the other people, It was a better product at the end, and that is it is it was a very cool learning process for me also that you can have something with experts which is even better than you have expected. Yeah, I guess so. It's um and it's a very it's a very intense um process because blend making is not um as easy as it seems on the paper. If you have two great barrels, it doesn't mean that they are connected that they are great connected as well. So um yeah, it's a lot of uh, it has an exper experimental character and that's um always good and to include people with uh, like open eyes um that's uh, important. 
So now, big question. And uh, you can praise yourself, you cannot praise yourself, however you want to do. But let us know, how do you differentiate yourself from your competitors? Well, I think we're all um, we're all working on our very um, like individual styles on individual vineyards as well. And I cannot really well comparing what we're doing to, for example, a colleague in the Mosul Valley or the Falls area is something completely different because we're working on a different terroir. And if I would compare what we're doing compared to to our neighbors that have a vineyard plot straight next to each other, um, then it's yeah, it's the the little tiny steps that every every winemaker has in its mind what is like doing yeah what is the right thing and in our case we actually we spend a lot of work um in the in the soil work of our vineyards we really believe in the idea of the soil and this is actually what we want to carry out with our wines as well the taste of a place it's not about overloaded fruitiness it's really about the home of of the vine and um yeah, this is just our decision to focus on that without judging if it's better or not. It's, um, yeah, it's it's our idea. And a big, big part of the uniqueness of our wines is um, the uniqueness of the vineyards where we are working. I can totally understand this answer. I would even say it's a bit more because the it is, of course, the soil. The soil is the character of this region, but... It is only so perfect if, because, because you have the ideal condition for the soil, which is part number one, for the grapes, which love this soil, and the climate, which uh, is also loved by the grapes. So because the combination of these three factors give you a unique position for your main grape, which is a Riesling. And as I mentioned before, if you have the Riesling in Spain, it makes good wine, but it makes not outstanding wine. So the combination of these three factors, the soil, the climate, and the grapes is giving you a gift, which is so outstanding good that you can produce such an amazing product at the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, well, perfectly, uh, perfectly explained. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And then let's summarize again. So you have these three factors, but at the end of the day, what makes your winery unique? So why should uh, the people come and try uh, Georg Breuer wine? Well, I think... At the very beginning, you mentioned that you, or you, you t um, told the sentence on our webpage that we're making wines we love ourselves. And um, this is something, it's like we're making wines um, that express our taste. And our taste um, shows the, the purity of Riesling. It allows the, the, the acidity in the wines, um, but also the minerality and um, the, the, long, the long line that the wines have. We love that wine are quite edgy when they're young and develop in a very balanced way when they get some time. This is not what everybody likes, but if, you, if you're interested in following our wines on that journey, you will always be in love with our wines. Um, but that is something very personal. You have to figure out if this is something that matches your taste. And then I promise you, we will, yeah, we will somehow always like hit your taste because it's our taste as well. That was great. So I love this. <laughs> and 
at this lovely Sunday afternoon. And Teresa, yeah, we have already learned a lot about the wines, about the region, about the soils or grapes and so on. And uh, yeah, one thing which is important for the, let's say, international part of your winery, can you tell us a bit what kind of awards you got during the last years? What does it mean to you personally and how does it affect your business? Is it just advantages? Are there disadvantages? How do you judge the world of the awards for your self-promotion, for your sellings, for your um, being known in the market? So please tell us a bit about this topic. Well, it's a, it's a tough one, actually. Um, I am, of course, very thankful for every like award or high rating we get for our wines. But um, it's actually nothing that we're working for. It's not that we try to think of what do we need to change to reach a certain award um, and or a certain like um, yeah point on a, on a wine it is um, it's a beautiful extra um, and of course it helps to yeah to get um, new people familiar with your wine or actually to to create an interest in your wines um, but at the end it is um, it's something that we take as as an as an extra um because we're we're yeah we believe in in our idea of wines and not in a in a wine judge um taste and it's just people that are tasting those wines and we actually saw that when um for example the the, the guy that is tasting for parker the german wines um he changed there was another guy a couple like five years before and now there is a guy that has like a little bit different um perspective on what he's looking for and he gives us higher points um but we did not change anything it's a very also even though they're they're critics and they they try to be as like, neutral as they can, wine is always a personal thing. And it's not just about the pure quality. It's always about, um, yeah, the, the feeling and the taste um, to it. So um, we're, we're very, very happy and thankful. But um, if it would change one day, I think we will not change anything in, our, in the style of our wines or so. Um, and of course, I, I think it's tough, actually. I've never been in that situation that we've like received 100 points out of 100 for a wine. But um, a dear colleague of mine um, did it this year. Um, congrats to her, um, also in our region. Um, Who was it? She was actually doing it, like taking it very well. But her cellar master, he got really stressed because he thought that now he reached something that he will never ever be able to reach and that really stressed him out so maybe it's better not to reach um, the highest possible ranking um, because we still have a long way to go and we still want to like yeah develop things and um, yeah it's a uh, it's a nice addition cool um, side question who was it who got the 100 points that was Eva Fricke um, she is uh, located with her winery in Eltville, but we're sharing some of the vineyard sites. And uh, she started in our region exactly in the same year when I started. 
And um, of course, like girls talk a little bit more than boys do. So uh, we've always been in a very good exchange. And uh, yeah, she managed actually to get three times 100 points this year, two times by James Suckling and once by, uh, by Parker. Um, that's really wow and fantastic for our region. Um, but it, that creates pressure for sure somehow. Is that very, very good? I will check that out. It's also yeah. for me always interesting uh, to learn about new things and uh, what you mentioned. Yeah, so uh, wine should give a nice ambience, gives, get, it has to give sociability, and this is amazing and it's good. But when I visited your winery and I checked it a couple of minutes ago, the first time it was actually in the year 2001 so and i was together with a group of japanese people and um, so japanese people wants to have the best and already at that time you belonged to the top of the top so i, I do not remember if it was in the top 10 but um as it is today but it was already the critics of it were outstanding good and so i decided to come with this group to your winery and the experience I still remember was so great and um, yeah we made a great wine tasting everybody of the group got a certificate uh, that he made the wine tasting and it was um, If I remember well, we had also some cold platters like cheese and uh, salami and something like that. So it was um, not only learning about the wine, it was more the sociability to have fun together, to connect, to, um, to understand what the wine should give you from the character. So it was a great afternoon and yeah so i think this is was a good experience but i only came to your winery because uh, the critics were good otherwise i wouldn't have chosen it so my personal feeling is that it helps you but you have to decide it by your own so <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, of course it helps. Um, of course it helps. But yeah, I am also like I am in the luxury situation that my father really worked very, very, very hard to bring up the winery to a certain standard. And I am kind of like the yeah, the the one that stepped in at a moment where certain um, like levels were already reached. So um, I, I haven't been part of that. The, process um which makes me maybe talk a little bit more easy about it yeah good so it is always good to praise yourself if you're doing something right and so don't be shy <laughs> enjoy what you reached enjoy what you can bring to the people and i think it is it is a mixture to be um i call it the act of pride and the act of kindness so uh, you give such a great product to the people so that is your act of kindness and what you receive is the awards the thankfulness of the people and that is something you can be very proud of and i think you are in the top of the 
German winemakers. And it is, of course, something you can be proud of, but it's always also um, a motivation to uh, keep at least this level, to become better and to serve the people the best you can do. And now it's time for a short break. Let's have some great music with and let some wine into your <laughs> and pour some wine into your glass because the next step in our wine talk will be tasting the one of their great Rieslings. It's a Berg Rosenek 2016. And most probably you do not have some wine at that moment in your cellar or in your super yacht. So pour something nice into your glass and have a great time together with us. And now we have the wine in the glass. Cheers, Teresa. Cheers. <laughs> and uh, wow, this is really golden, golden wine in the glass. It already looks amazing. On the nose, you have the Flintstone. This is the first impression. Flintstone and a lot of yellow stone fruits, like peach, like built apricot, apple, citrus, but also some slightly floral notes, like elderflower like herbs and but you are the expert of your wine so maybe you want to give a short introduction what we have on the nose maybe you disagree with my words <laughs> <laughs> no i'm i'm always very thankful when uh, when a sommelier is uh, taking over that part because I'm responsible for, for the stuff in the bottle and actually to close the bottle with a cork. And as soon as it comes out, it's an invitation to the world to, to like dig into it. Um, but I'm happy to, to tell you a little bit about the wines. And I think as soon as you know a little bit more about the terroir and the origin of the wine, some of the flavors are, um, a lot of what you said is actually confirmed by understanding where the wine comes from. It's, like um, Rosneck is one of our Grand Cru vignettes. Um, we have uh, four of them in total, and Bergrosenegg is one of them located in Rüdesheim, in the very, very steep terraces of the Rüdesheimer Berg, the Rüdesheimer Mountain. And um, Bergrosenegg is the one that is um, on the top of the, of the slope. So it's in quite high altitude ranges. Um, that brings What does it mean, quite high? How many meters? Um, well, the, the river is on a level of 90 meters above sea. Um, that's where the vineyards are starting. But the site of Bergrosnack starts on an altitude level of about 200 meters and it goes up on another 100 meters. So we're in that range between two and 300 meters. Um, and well, it, I would call it a hill, not a mountain, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but of course, mountain sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Gives a mountain feeling for in, for us. <laughs> it always depends where how flat the area around you is. So no, but it's um it's really a steep slope, and being quite high up on that steep slope um, brings also a bit cooler climate because um, the temperature drops a little bit deeper during night. Um, so the difference between day and night temperature is quite high. 
that um, brings always intense acidity and allows the wine to ripen in a very long in a very long way. So Bergrosenegg is one of the last vineyards that we are picking. Um, that means the grapes have a chance to really gather a lot of flavors within that ripening period, but it, they stay elegant because of the coolness. And the soil is really looking like a chess field. It's black slate and quite white, light gray um, quartzite. And there's not really anything above it because the vineyard is so steep. Um, and the name of the vineyard, Roseneck, Berg means mountain, we cleared that, but Roseneck um, is like the, the corner of the roses. And that's because there was a garden with herbs and roses um, in the middle age period. And somehow these flavors are really also carried into the wine. But Roseneck is always a very fine and elegant and very delicate wine that shows that the flowery touch in combination with these um, classic Riesling flavors, of course. And yeah, that's, um, that's what it is. And the nose is one part, but what I really love about the wine is that it has that very pure length. And yeah, then let's have a zip now. So yes, cheers. <laughs> and? Wow, wow. <laughs> and uh, this is really a wow. And this wow is divided in two parts. So one is the... Um, It has such a mineralic taste. So you find the Flintstone, the Chist, again in the mouth. Um, and what I like, it is not so much like the burnt rubber. It's a little bit less. This is really cool. And the, the other thing is, which uh, amazes me, this has such a present acidity. I don't know how many grams per liter, but it, it is really... Uh, present and then you have the, the fruitiness the, the citrus um, grapefruit um, lime and then a bit more the yellow fruits again but also green apple and pears so it's a full basket of fruitiness and uh, actually this for me is not the typical Apero wine. I would combine it uh, with some food. It, and I think it needs also some food to really go into it. I personally would combine it with um, something not too spicy, but a little bit spicy of Thai food. This would match perfectly with this. But you could also make a green asparagus risotto with it. So, um, and but you are the expert for your wines. What would you recommend to combine with this Riesling? And maybe you also telling us before a little bit what flavors do you have in the mouth? You know, I'm I'm sharing that um, that very like mineral mineral touch, and it has I, I really like that like apple pear combination, um, and also the the citric flavors of grapefruit. I definitely get as well. So. Um, Yeah, and it's a wine, it's actually, it's vintage 16, which we just released now. So um, it has a very, very youthful um, taste, especially. And uh, I think it's just like starting to, to get in balance and everything gets its right place. It still has a, a bit of time to, to really balance out and to really like um, show everything, but it's on its way. And I think it's a very nice um, 
start of a drinking age. Um, so yeah, no, I'm I'm very very I'm happy with your description. Thank you for that. <laughs> and regarding the the food pairing, I think that asparagus risotto idea is um, is really cool because it brings together um, on one hand something that Riesling um, allows very often that you can have a little bit of richness in in your food having pure ingredients um, you don't really need a lot of flavors but if you combine good flavors with a little bit of richness by butter in a risotto or maybe a little bit of creaminess that always works very very well with acidity fat is important in food um, to 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 yeah bring out flavors and um, Riesling kind of like cuts it down again and makes it very very straight so I, I really like that risotto idea um, I am unfortunately allergic to fish and shellfish I know many people praise fish and shellfish to our wines um, but I'm, I cannot really tell you if it's good or not because I never experienced it myself but I can um, tell you it would match <laughs> <laughs> but so I know i know about the alternatives um and of course um well in germany we are in the pork country but if you do pork in a in a very in a very good quality and in a good way for example like a like a crispy pork belly where you have that like juiciness due to the fat and very tender meat um that is also for me like a riesling like a dry riesling match which is always really really nice yeah i i can um, totally agree with this And uh, can you disclose also how many grams per liter is the acidity? Because for me, it, it was uh, one of the first impressions. Oh, wow, this is, uh, this is really, really high acidity, but uh, you can tell us. I will in a second because I don't want to lie to you. So I'm just looking it up. So if you give me a second, I will have it uh, very precisely for you. Um, maybe it's also interesting to mention that it's a wine um, which has for me a very like um, like complete um, palette and texture and length by only having 11.5% alcohol. Um, that's something that, that German... How many? Yes. German Riesling from cool climate regions can do very well if you have the right vineyards that carries enough texture. Um, you don't need to have an, a very high sugar ripeness. Um, and that's uh, that's something very, very nice as well. So you feel and you taste a lot, but the wine will never like kill you or overload you because of high alcohol. So, yeah, I, I just um, double checked it. It's really just 11.5% uh, alcohol. Yeah. Uh, I would have imagined at least a 12.5 or 13 even uh, because it's so warm in your mouth and it's mouth filling. And um, it has a really long aftertaste. So I still have it in, in my mouth. By the, by the way, are you doing... To, to you are just looking up still, but are you doing malolactic fermentation also? No, no, no. nothing. Or no, that um, that doesn't happen um, because the, the pH levels of our wines are generally um, pretty low, so the the it doesn't really like happen, and we're not forcing the wines because we love acidity. And uh, I looked it up, and it's seven point nine grams of. Yeah, so uh, nearly eight eight grams. So yeah, this this was also my first impression. So. Yeah, an outstanding good wine um, and I think a very good uh, marry to all the, the things which we, we told you and super yacht captains, whatever you want to create, just 
call us and we give you the best recommendations for your dinner, for your lunch to make your super yacht owners happy. So we are covering a lovely and interesting wine region in the Rheingau area. And by the way, you could come with your super yacht and dock it at a harbor 300 meters from the winery. And it is an amazing winery. It is worth to visit it. And now we are going into the next topic, Teresa. This year, I already told this, I could not do any travel, but we, of course, we hope that we can do it next year again. And if so, I definitely will come and visit you again. This year, due to the COVID, the business changed so much. What have you implemented to, to have a weapon against it? What have you implemented to boost your business? Can you tell us a little bit about your strategy to overcome this COVID crisis? Well, our weapon is Riesling. That's very simple. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, it was, uh, yeah, of course, it's uh, like for everybody, um, a situation that we have never like uh, been facing um, before. Uh, we are quite strong in exports with our wine. About two thirds of our wines are shared with the world. Um, to many European countries, but also um, we're exporting to the US and Asia. And uh, especially my part um, is for about like three months of the year to, uh, to, to visit our customers, promote our wine, show new vintages. And um, that was, yeah, well, not a surprise that I could not do that. So um, we tried to, to get in touch with our, with our partners in different ways. Um, we like yeah, implemented kind of like regular insta live tastings with our japanese importer and we showed them actually more that i could show them when i visit them because i took them to the vineyards i took them into the cellar they heard the barrels fermenting they saw our pickers doing the selection um so we we kind of like got creative with what we can do um by taking like people with us if we can't visit them um we were very very privileged with being in Rüdesheim um, because it was one of the places where German people or also some like Danish people and people from Netherlands um, came here to really spend their summer holidays because we are in the countryside it's not a big place it's not overcrowded you can be outdoors a lot um, and we had many many guests that um, were absolutely not familiar with how beautiful it is here and they they fall in love with the with the region and of course experience the wines as well so we had a very different guest structure in our village um, which was a great experience and we hope to be able to to carry that on in future um, And we try to to yeah be as like present as possible for all our partners. And beside all that, we just had all a little bit more time to focus on our vineyards, um, which is also not too bad, I think. And uh, well, yeah, we will see if that uh, is actually bringing um, yeah a little extra to the wines of 2020. Hopefully, very cool answer, Teresa. And. If people would like to order your wines, could they do it also online? Do they have to go to the specific partner of the different countries? So how would it work if a super yacht uh, captain or super yacht owner would like to try your wines? So what would be the process? 
Yeah, well, we have, and uh, we don't have a web shop, um, but uh, we're we're happy to share our wines and sell our wines. So, um, within Germany, we we sell our wine straight from the winery, but we also have some partners that do have online shops, so you can order our wines online, um, actually for the same price that it would be from our winery. Um, and in the other countries, um, it differs a little bit depending on um, how the regulations um, in the countries are. But uh, on our webpage, you have a list of all our importers um, we're working with. And that would be like the best way to get an idea how to, to get our wines, to just send the importer a short mail um, and asking how, how, to, how to get the wines. And they are very helpful and they will definitely give you an idea um, where you find the wines. That sounds great. So please share the URL of your website with us. Yeah, that's very, very easy. It's uh, georg-breuer.com. So G-E-O-R-G-B-R-E-U-E-R.com. <laughs> so that's very easy because the winery is Georg Breuer and it's georg-breuer.com. So it's very easy to um, have it in your brain. and. Yeah. It is the goods. And I would like, have you changed something during this year also from your sales strategy? You said you have, of course, uh, made some, uh, let's say, lives with your partners. But um, what else did you do? Made, did you make some advertisement? Did you make some virtual tastings with the people? So... We did a little bit. Um, it's not that we're like um, like building <laughs> totally new concepts for for doing um, virtual wine tastings, but um, but we did, and also now that like the the Christmas um, the Christmas parties are not allowed, we actually do for some companies some nice tasting events um, just to replace the Christmas get together um, in a in a like digital way. Um, so this is something we have not been doing any time before. That's uh, that's new, but But in general, we um, we try to um, to be there for our partners um, and try to be a little bit more flexible, um, helping restaurants that are definitely struggling at the moment by being able to to order really small batches of wines and have a little bit longer payment terms and stuff like that. So we really try to to um, yeah work with our long term partners um, in a supportive way for them. And we know that our wines are not turning bad. So every bottle that we're not selling today, we're also happy to to sell in two weeks. So we have no no stress. Um, but we're we're open and we try to stay flexible and creative. But we're not inventing ourselves in a new way. Yeah, that is a good answer. And actually, as I'm normally going to the wineries with my clients, I really had to reinvent myself this year. Yeah, so yeah. I was, of course, doing physical wine tastings here in the area where I live. But I have started to do really internationally, let's say more focused on Europe, uh, but online wine tastings uh, for private people. But I'm doing also this now for companies so i've already some clients for december and for the employees we are sending the little wine samples to the employees then we are going into the zoom or skype or whatever and then i moderate the evening the ceo or the 
head of the um, uh, sales department or whatever department it is, is doing some speeches. So we are celebrating, we are learning a bit about the wine. We have great fun together. And if the people or if the company wants, I also send them some other stuff like cheese and cuisines. So to make it really a bit party it's not, not not a live party but nevertheless if you see the people you you smile together you have sociability together so it's really cool and uh, yeah by the way super yacht owners we can do this also for you so don't hesitate to contact us if you want to have a lovely uh, christmas party for your crew for your guests for your friends we are able to do it we can do it from whichever winery, also with Georg Breuer or with others. So it's a, I think, very good idea to overcome this COVID stress and to have happiness nevertheless. So now it's time. I don't, uh, you opened your mouth. So I think you wanted to say something there. No, I, I just, uh, I just thought that's a very, very, very smart idea and that you, that your listeners should all jump on it. And it's actually, it feels a bit strange in the first moment to sit in front of the computer or the TV and um, like cheers to do a, vir a virtual cheers to somebody, but it's actually fun. So you should all go for it. <laughs> Exactly. Now it's time to make a recap of our wine talk. We had great time and today it was and it is still a talk together with Teresa Breuer, the fourth generation of the winery Georg Breuer, one of the outstanding good wineries in Germany. It belongs to the top 10. She was winemaker of the year 2016. And Weingut Breuer, Winery Breuer is bringing really great wines to you. 70% is dedicated to the Riesling and Riesling is the best Riesling comes out of Germany. The others are Pinot Noir, and then there were also Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, but also some autochthonous grapes like Hoynish and Orléans. So you really have something so special. And we learned about the grapes. We learned about the climate. We learned about the soil, which is one of the main factors to have these outstanding good Rieslings. We could learn about what is a strategy during COVID. We learned about the taste, what you can combine with these wines. So it was a full immersion into this wine region. It was some learning. It was hopefully also great fun. And I would like to thank you, Teresa, for uh, giving us your valuable time to bring value into the let's say super yachts, but the, own, the listeners are not only super yacht radio uh, owners. They are also distributed all over the world. Uh, but of course, most of the owners are dedicated to super yachts in any of this. And yeah, it was a great learning, was great fun. And I would like to thank you for having uh, given us so valuable information and I would like to give the word to you again, Teresa, and 
Well, thank you so much for having me and um, yeah, being interested and, and curious about what we do. We're still like we're such a in a it's such a tiny world of like Riesling lovers and German wine lovers, and it's always great when, well, we have a chance to uh, to tell a little bit about our love and our vision and um, <laughs> our wines. So uh, I'm very very thankful, and it's um yeah, it's always great to to taste the diversity of wines in every way. So um yeah, you should all go for a Riesling next time. <laughs> yeah. That is a great, let's say, final statement. Thank you so much. And um, dear listeners, maybe you still want to have some recommendations. You can contact us whenever you want. It is quite easy. If you write an email, armin at superyachtradio.com. And um, in case you would like to go into contact with the winery Breuer or to learn how and where you can find some importers or distributors, so just contact me. And now we are wishing you a pleasant evening. And next time when we will see again, we are already in hmm, December, so it will be the Christmas months and we have some outstanding wineries in the pipeline and one of the next ones will be also um, a very great talk about whiskey so also the world is not only wine it's also other spirits and we have here in our region one of the most fascinating whiskey distilleries and stay tuned you will have great learnings and you will have great fun. So everybody, cheers and have a nice Sunday evening. Bye-bye. Bye. You're listening to Super Yacht Radio. Radio.